Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for downloading us again. We've got a very, very special show uh, for you today with uh, an ex-Tottenham player. I've worked out this will be his fourth uh, appearance on the show. So that's a, a new re- another record broken there. Uh, the most appearances on this show. The first one was quite a few years ago when his wonderful book came out uh, that uh, uh, Paolo Hewitt, uh, we all know and love, uh, helped Tim with uh, that book still available. Go and get it. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, VSP Publishing. Um, I re- highly recommend that. And then he came on for a live show. And I can't believe it. I thought it was like a year ago, two and a half years ago. And there was so much in that show. We literally ran out of time. And so today we're going to talk uh, about some of the stuff we didn't have, didn't have time to, to cover. So please welcome um, wonderful one player from 1968 all the way to 76, 377 appearances and an incredible 174 goals. Martin Chivers, how are you, Martin? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Lovely to have you back on the show. It's nice to be back. I can't believe it was two and a half years ago. I know. I know it's quite. The same time goes time a bit quicker when you get older. I know <laughs> it, it does. I know you're you're absolutely right. Well, last yep. time you were on the show, we didn't have time to discuss uh, your career after Spurs. But before that, I want to go back and put some more detail on what were arguably your two. Uh, well, you had many seasons at Spurs, but if you had to pinpoint two seasons, I think most people would pinpoint the 1917-71 season and the 71-72 to season. The reason that they do that, in 1970-71, you scored 34 goals in 55 games. And in 71-72, an incredible 44 goals in 64 games. And last week, we had uh, Norman Giller on the show talking about his brand new book, Shooting Spurs, The 100 Club. 
uh, all about all the great Tottenham players who scored 100 or more for uh, Tottenham. And he told a wonderful story um, from that era when he was writing for the Daily Express and he, he wrote an article uh, basically putting you alongside other English great centre forwards, Dixie Dean, Tom Finney, Tom, Tom Lawton and Jackie Milburn. And he told a very funny story with Eddie Bailey, who we know at times you had a fractious <laughs> relationship with, basically yeah. saying how he was castigated by Eddie, who said, you know, you're not fit to uh, carry their effing jock straps. And how you effectively... Uh, any criticism he may have given you, you shove straight back in his face with those two incredible seasons. Just try and give listeners who might not remember that time kind of where, because you'd, you'd obviously just come back from a big injury. You had a really bad injury a couple of years before that. So do you think those seasons were the ones where you felt yourself really fully fit and raring to go? Yeah, definitely, Mike. It, it was. It took me a while to get back after that horrendous injury, as you say. It was. It was a, a career-threatening one, uh, where a lot of people didn't think I was going to come back again. And I know that the club, through the club doctor, who told me afterwards that they were drawing up plans to write me off right. uh, because it, it was such a bad injury. Uh, mm. But I got super fit after a year. I, I missed the whole of uh, 68, 69. Mm. And as you, as you would imagine, it took me a long time to get my confidence back and to, to realize that uh, somebody, that, that leg was going to withstand a, a, a heavy tackle. Mm. And yes. it, was, it was through one very, very special game that I remember so clearly. It was a game against Stoke early in the, the 70s. And yeah. I, played, I scored a couple of goals past Gordon Banks, and mm. I had a big tussle with Dennis Smith, mm. who was a quite a strong centre-half. And I, went, I brushed him off of the ball, went forward to goal, and I curled the ball past Gordon Banks at the, Milton, at the Paxton Road end. Mm. And the whole stadium erupted. Uh, it mm. was unbelievable. The, they were. It was like a pressure cooker. Yeah. It, it, I had lifted it. it mm. The the crowd got behind me, and I I that day was when I won over the crowd once again. They were very wow. patient with me throughout the bad times for mm. about one season, but they were waiting for it as much as I was. And suddenly. Yeah. That was it. That was the goal that sort of did it. And I, that's when I came back in the dressing room thinking that Bill would give me a pat on the back. Or he, he gave me a bit of stick about the, I, I, I should have got a third one if I'd been facing the ball. It was crazy. But, uh, incredible. There was also, I mean, I was looking back at that season, there was another game which actually, in hindsight, one could argue it helped Arsenal win the double. We didn't realise this at the time. And this was a, a brilliant 2-1 win at Leeds United, where you scored two in that season. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that game? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. I, I realised that there was a famous comedian that actually made a story. He used to tell a joke about that game and say, suddenly there was a player, Tottenham player, that went into Leeds half twice during that game and scored two goals, and they beat Leeds 2-1. He said, it's never happened before, <laughs> away from home at yeah. Ellen Road. He said he was yeah. mad enough to go into the Leeds half. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> they went about 30-odd games without losing. They had a record run. Yes, And we beat them 3-1. Right. I could have got a third one right at the end. I remember kicking it straight at Gareth Brake. Oh, really? And that would have been rubbing salt in the wounds. Yeah. I mean, that... That was, you know, we were really up and running. Then, obviously, uh, later on that season, uh, obviously, we were having a good League Cup run. And, obviously, um, your first appearance for Tottenham at Webley uh, in the League Cup against Aston Villa. And for those of you who may remember it or may not, we've got the clip right here. Aaron Hamilton, Kinnear, hitting it sideways there for Mullery. Beal. Chivers looking for it with his head, Gilzee, this must be a chance for Spurs, as neighbour goes in, Chivers, there it is, Martin Chivers, Spurs are ahead, and they really don't deserve to be, what a tragic blow for the Villa, and what a relief for Spurs, for them and for their supporters, Martin Chivers, putting them into the lead, after that rebound had uh, come so invitingly for him, putting Spurs ahead now with 11 minutes to go. Turn to McMahon. Now they are stopping and looking, and Spurs are attacking a much quicker as Chivers now. Good control by Chivers. And he's done it again! Martin Chivers! by Martin Chivers, 2-0. And there was a goal that had the lot. Um, what are your memories looking back of that? I mean, we were obviously expected to beat Aston Villa. They were then a third division side. But looking back at the footage, it was, I, I think we didn't, you didn't get your first goal till like 81 minutes. It was, uh, it was tougher than it probably should have been. They, they were the better team in the first half. But if I mm. could just go back to the semi-final, yes, we played please. against Bristol City. Yes. And they were a third division team and they gave us such a hard time. We only just won it in, in extra time of the second leg at, mm. at Tottenham and I, where I was able to score a header. And yeah. we went through to the final to play another third division team and they were the better team in the first half and Stevie Perriman did well to clear one off the line mm -hmm. and we were second best. And mm. then in the second half Along came the opportunity that any striker would dream of, and that's to find the ball about eight yards out from goal with the goalkeeper to beat. And I did, I did what I was paid to do. Mm. And I mean, and, this, then, this, this. and then finally went with the second one with a good ball through from Alan Mullery. That was a good goal. That was yes, a good you brought the goal. you brought the ball down beautifully. And hit, that's right. And, of... and then I, I hit it in with the left foot. Mm. That was that was it. Uh, mm. That was that was a dream come true. My first time at Wembley, and yeah. uh, it was what what a way to to mark it. And it was so nice about uh, YouTube. Now, not only you can see the goals, there's also uh, available. There's the uh, big match with Brian Moore uh, program where you're actually on the show after the Dear final. Brian Moore. You're Dear on. Brian you're on. Moore. You're on with a uh, Aston Villa player. 
uh, called Cheeky Chico someone I can't remember his name now uh, so you're Chico on the show Hamilton, well. Chico Hamilton he played very well that day that's yeah. right you're on the show with Chico Hamilton with the long blonde hair that's right. That's right. Yep. So, the, the, so those those of you out there can watch that on YouTube. There's also wonderful footage still of you in the bath at, at Wembley with the cup. Oh, and the with old the big, cup. We all dived in the bath. big big pool yeah. afterwards. Yes. Yeah. All that, that is, is that is is available. And, and then the we bo- had the away dressing room that on that occasion. I remember that. Oh, really? Yeah. Amazing. And then the following season, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 44 goals in 64 games. And and obviously we'll come to you shortly. But again, in the league, I was going through uh, some of the key games. I didn't even mention sort of what some of the teams at the bottom that you'd hope Tottenham would expect to to beat. But you scored in the 2-0 win at home against Liverpool. You scored twice in the 4-1 win against Wolves. You scored another brace in a 3-0 win against Everton. You got the winner in a 1-0 home win against Leeds. You mentioned Stoke before. Two against Stoke in a 2-0 win. A goal against Man United in a 2-0 win. Two against Chelsea in a brilliant 3-0 win. I mean, the list goes on. It was just... What was it about that season? Was it the service? We had a magical run at that time. We had a magical run and we were really up near the top of the division and, and threatening. Mm. But it just it just went off the boil towards Christmas. You know, we we drew a couple of games and lost a couple of games. Mm. But that run was, was noted. I I always remember that that Stoke game was one of them. And mm. uh, we we were really pushing towards the top of the division. It, yeah. I, and once I scored those goals, as I said, against Stoke, I couldn't stop scoring. Mm. It, it was just... I was so confident about what I could do. Yeah. And the, I had that wonderful, magnificent crowd behind me that I could, I could have fallen over on my backside and they still would have clapped me. You know, they, it was, they clapped me so loudly and cheered my name when I was taking a throw-in. Yes. <laughs> so it, they, they lifted me so much. And mm. uh, I, think for, I think players since then have experienced the same. Mm. But was it frustrating? All that was going on, and yet at the time you had a, a fractious relationship with Bill Nick and Eddie Bailey's way. You know, you're banging in all these goals, and, and from what you've kind of intimated before, they kind of almost still weren't happy. Um, no, Bill was a perfectionist. You see, yeah. the, the, he, he gave me a torrid time as a player. Mm. But when I look back, I don't like watching myself on video and right. seeing these, seeing my clips. Because I still, I know what I look like. I, I was, I had such a long stride. It mm. looks as though I'm not sprinting. But he did, he actually laid on a, a test at uh, Chesham training ground mm. with all the squad. And he did so many exercises. It was one, we all lined up on the goal line and we had to run through to the six yard line mm. and turn around and go back again. And he met, he worked out who won each one. I I won every sprint until we did the full length of the field. Mm. Yeah. It was. It, it, I think it surprised a lot of players. They were amazed yeah. at it, but it must have proved to Bill that I was capable. But he couldn't quite get that out of me. That deter that that physical factor. He wanted me to knock people about, mm. Mm. But, but it wasn't my nature. My nature was to go for the ball and get it away from defenders and then run through and try and score goals. Wasn't there, um, wasn't there a, a, a training session one day 
when he got one of the players to give you a bit of, you know, <laughs> a tough, that's tough a, going that's over. That's a good just story, that one. That was, yeah. uh, he, he laid on a, a forwards against the fence up at Chesham, mm. uh, forward, our forward line against the, the first team defence. And he, he, he instructed, I didn't know at the time, of course, but he instructed Pete Collins and right. Mike England, who played at the back, the two of them, to rough me up. Mm. My God, they roughed me up in the first half. They they just <laughs> laid into me. I was up in the air, down on the floor, and then the second half, I thought this is a bit, this is going on a bit too strong, and I retaliated against Mike Ingram and took his legs away, <laughs> only for Bill to blow the whistle and say, "What the hell are you trying to do?" He said, "You could have broken his legs." I said, "You have you been watching the first half, Bill?" I said, "They've been doing that to me all through the first half." Oh dear. And he blew the whistle and we went in the dressing room. They didn't even finish the game. Really? My God. That's what he, he tried that. Yeah. The other thing, which I don't know whether you're going to come on to, is that one Friday he called me into his office and said, mm. Martin, I'm, I'm not playing you tomorrow. He said, I've got two tickets here. I want you to go and watch West Ham. Mm. I said, well, do I want to watch West Ham for? He said, I want you to watch Jeff Hurst. Mm. I want you to see how he links up with Bobby Moore and Lampard and all those players at the back and and see how he holds the line together. Yeah. Well, I didn't take it as an insult. I thought to myself, I'm meant to be a record fee. I'm meant to be a good player. But mm. I went along, I did what he told me, and believe it or not, I can't say it did me any harm. In fact, I think it did me some good to see how that worked. And I mm. had to do that job for Tottenham for the rest of the time I was there. Mm. I mean, you're, I mean, this this era, the sort of, which I can't believe is effectively fifty years ago, is frightening in itself. Obviously, your your your, your striking partner at this time was was Alan Gilzine. How much of that work was 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 really done on the training pitch? Because you seem to have a kind of sixth sense of where. Where each other was going to be, especially with him laying balls on, on, on for you to score. Was that really worked on? I think Alan Gilsey took so much pressure off of me. He, was, he, he could jump high, he could head mm. the ball. He went in probably a bit more physical than I was, believe it or not. But I had to read what angle it came off of that shiny bonce of his. And, and he was a perfect foil for me. But at the same time, I could take the pressure off of him at times and, and, and lay it on. I, he actually scored from one of my throw-ins on one occasion. I always remember that. And that was direct from the throw. He headed it, headed it into the side of the net. It wow. was, we complemented one another. And thank goodness that sometimes he had to go for the ball when it was a long ball from Pat Jennings. He was brave enough to go in and maybe win the ball for me to go on to. And, and same as I was laying it off for other people. Mm. And then, um, well, let's talk about Europe. Let's just have a very, very short break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back for the break. Uh, thanks to all the uh, people who may or may not have advertised on this week. Um, going on to Europe, that, that European campaign, again, what people might forget was the, the rich vein of scoring. Uh, in the earlier rounds, there was a hat-trick against uh, Keflovic. There was a hat-trick against uh, Rapid uh, Bucharest as well. Um, what, but the, the game I'd like to talk about was obviously the semi-final, which... Uh, Everyone kind of remembers the, the, the two goals at White Hart Lane that Steve Perriman scored. But how tough was it then to go out to the San Siro facing the mighty AC Milan? That must have been one of the toughest games of your career. It was. It was uh, uh, On that game, Alan Gilzine wasn't fit to be able to play. So right. they, Bill Nicholson said that my, uh, Martin Peters would link up with me up, mm. the, up in the front line. Mm. Well, I didn't, I didn't see much of Martin Peters. I think I was there <laughs> by myself. I was the only one up there. And, and it was a thankless time. I know I hit one just past the post, and, and I thought I should have scored from it in the first half. That would have, that would have calmed the game down. Yeah. But it went nil-nil a long way until uh, Rivera scored a penalty that was very near the end, about 10, 15 minutes before the end of the game. And then it, then it was the Battle of the Alamo. You know, the, yeah. everything was thrown at us. And that's when I, I, they said to me, try and hold the ball up, Chiv, up the front. Well, the ball came up. I had about three or four players around me. You know, they, it was constant pressure at the back. And yeah. we got through... We got through that game, but the referee, when he blew his final whistle, he instructed us, the whole team, to stand in the centre circle because there was no canopy for us to get down through the dressing room, and he was worried that we were going to be attacked by the crowd going, down, going through the path to go into the dressing room. It was a very volatile game, incredible. 60-odd thousand at the San Siro. And they just couldn't accept that they'd lost. Mm, that's amazing. Was there kind of probably a bit of disappointment that, you know, for your first major European final, uh, we end up getting another English club <laughs> as opposed to a foreign club? I'm yeah. sure, you know, especially wives, wives and family must have been all rubbing their hands or you a lovely have... trip somewhere overseas. <laughs> yes, you should <laughs> The, the promise to the wives, the poor wives, was as we were going through, we beat Keflavik by a record fee. We went on to play uh, other teams and, and kept going all the way towards the final. And the, mm. and the club promised the wives that if we ever got to the final, that they would have an all-expenses trip with the players mm. to that game. And they all start thinking of Rome and Madrid and Paris. And where do we finish up? <laughs> Molyneux. Needless to say, none of the wives came along. 
We went up by train, and uh, it was a rainy night. And uh, I suppose they were as disappointed as we were, in a way, because they played Farron Svaros, the Hungarian champions. Hungarians. Yeah. They were a fantastic team, Wolves. Yes, They've they gone through so many rounds and had wonderful results, the same as yeah. we had against RAC Milan, etc. Absolutely. Well, look, for those of you that, well, I'm sure we've all heard this wonderful uh, clips, but here and now, uh, let's remind ourselves of that wonderful match at Molyneux. Taylor and Gilzine missed it, but Taylor pushed Gilzine. England to bring it forward to where it really happened wants every yard to count and the referee says that England was right in the first place McCallion. Knowles won it, now Hegan for Wolves. Linking is Taylor, number three. Spurs a lot of defenders back. Hegan. Shaw. 20 minutes to go. Wolves nil, Spurs one. Hibbit. Shaw, number two. Sticking at it. Pivot. Hegan. McCallion. Richards. Mullery hooked it away. Pivot. In the way, Mullery. And Mullery penalised. He didn't like it. It struck him rather than uh, deliberate handling. So a free kick to Wolves just outside the box. Quickly taken. Hegan. McCallion. And the Spurs players caught absolutely spectating. They're as much a part of that as the spectators in the stand. Hegan's quick thinking laid it wide to McAllyog. The defenders hadn't covered. The shot too powerful for Jennings. And Spurs played totally then for standing still and not taking up defensive positions. One each. Gilzine to Peters. It's gone well. Richards. Beal tackling back and Knowles covering. Chivers. Chivers again. Gilzine spreading out, 
square. Ooh, what a shot! Kick that one out. Chivers second tonight after Spurs had been pushed back into defence. And it takes a player like Chivers to turn a situation from that into that and a Spurs lead. Parks beaten by the sheer speed and surprise of the shot. Two brilliant goals by Martin Chivers tonight, bringing his total in the competition to eight and Spurs to a 2-1 lead with just over two minutes left. You know, it, it, it's still... Those two goals uh, are still so iconic in the history of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, they really are. Do you still remember them really vividly or does it be a bit of a blur now 50 years on because you scored so many goals after that as well? Mike, if I could tell you the story of that game, mm. that we we were we were uh, trying to play. It was, it was a very wet, it was quite a wet evening, mm. and at half time, I went into the dressing room only to be again set upon by Eddie Bailey and Bill Nicholson, and I thought, why why are you having to go at me? I've, I'm the only one who's had any shots at this goal at the Wolves' goal. If you look at the footage, nobody else had a shot at the goal. I had two or three headers, two missed the goal, but it was a very hard chance. One I was a bit disappointed on, what I didn't get high enough to get it down towards the goal. Mm. I hit the post with a free kick with my left foot. How, how confident was I to take a free kick mm -hmm. with my left foot and it hit the top of the post, mm. kick it in the first half? I came into the dressing room and they laid into me and I couldn't believe it. I w and then I went to relieve myself in the toilets. Mm. And as I came out onto the pitch at half uh, after half time, Mike England and Phil Bill were there and they, I joined them and they said, "Put your head up, Chiv." They said, "Show him what you can show him what you can do." And those two players, believe it or not, just perked me up a little bit as if to say, "Yeah, yeah. I will. I'll show him what I can do." And then the free kick from Mike England was mm. midway through the half. Mm. I thought that was very unusual for me to go to a far post header. You know, mm. I, I didn't normally go for them, but mm. I rose very well. I can you see, timed, I can it. see you it, timed now. it so well. You yeah, timed, timed it, so it well. and, and headed yeah. it perfectly mm. to go into the goal. Wonderful. I, I yeah. was so pleased with that. Yeah. And the second and then, one came, the second one, Mike, came in the last few minutes, and I thought, I've got nothing to... They all laid back off of me, the Wolves defenders, mm. as I picked it up just over the halfway line. Mm. I went forward with this ball, and I thought, no one's coming at me. I'm going at me. <laughs> I've got nothing to lose here. Yeah. I've got nothing to lose. So I, I larruped it as hard as I could, and you know when you've hit a ball well. It's a bit like a golf shot at times. When, when you hit a ball really solidly... You know it, yeah. and I thought that's that's interesting. <laughs> and it was, I just thought it's going towards the goal. That um, that would be pleased if it misses the goal. There's six thousand Spurs supporters behind it. They'll hang on to it for two <laughs> minutes while the whistle goes, and it it finished up in the back of the net. We were under tremendous pressure before the goal. They had some really good chances, oh. and we were really under. Posh. and it was it was almost just a blessing you picking the ball up on the halfway line and just running. As I say, Mike, they were they were a good team. They were they a fantastic were team. Yeah, 
And it wasn't yes. even over by then, was it? Because when we went back to Tottenham, they were the draw. better team. Yes, it was a draw. We Thank Mullery. God we got that early goal yes. with Alan Mullery. That's right. Absolutely. Well, look, what one wonderful uh, memories. We're, we're going to jump quite a long way now because uh, when you're on the last, <laughs> when you last on the show, we obviously talked uh, about the rest of the time you had at Tottenham. Uh, at the end, it was quite difficult with obviously Terry Neal, and then you you, you mentioned uh, before uh, how you ended up at Servetti in Switzerland, and then desperately tried to get back. When after all that, Terry Neal actually resigned from Tottenham, uh, uh, who who was the who was the manager that wanted to move you on. What we didn't get time to talk about was what was it actually like in Switzerland? What was the football like? Uh, what was it like taking your family out there? What was the experience like itself? Well, if we can just finalise on that move that I yeah. did, that phone call that I got from yeah. Terry Neal when he asked me to meet the Swiss club, I met them in London. First of all, I said to him, I said, is Switzerland far enough for you? Because I, I was expecting some London club to come after me or some other club. I know that they were interested. There were was interest from other football clubs. Mm. And Bill denied them, or Terry Neal denied them all the time. Mm. Uh, to the point, he phoned me up one time after we got back off of a trip around the world and said, I've got a club interested in you. And I thought, oh, good. And he said, Servet of Switzerland. I said, is that far enough? <laughs> like, what are you worried about? He said, well, they're coming over tomorrow, so you, you, uh, I'd like you to meet them. Mm. I met them. I came home. My wife was eight months pregnant with our first boy. Mm. And I, I went into her and I said, Terry, uh, Terry Neal, well, in fact, Terry Neal, while, we were on, while I was on the phone to Terry Neal, I said, I'm thinking about it, Bill, after meeting the, the, the club, mm. the Servet uh, officials. And he said, well, you haven't got a lot to think about. You, you'll spend the rest of your, your contract in the reserves if you don't sign. Mm. I thought, no, you can't do that. So I came into this room where I'm actually sitting now, and I said to right. my wife, he threatened me with reserve team football for the rest of my contract, which was two years. Two years. And she two said... You can't, I don't want you moping around this house anymore like you have done with under Terry Neal. She mm. said, we'll go. Wow. And she was eight months pregnant. Wow. She decided, we will go. Wow. And to, we went over to Geneva. I went over, first of all, of course, to suss out what it was like there, try and find some accommodation, you know, where we were going to live. Met, yeah. the, met the, some of the players. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I was lucky. I was... I was lucky to be able to speak German. Oh, of course. Yes, of course. You're My mother was German. Your mother, Not that right. I learned it from her, but right. I learned it from school and I right. carried it on. I, right. I even took German lessons while I was over there. Mm. And my wife could speak some French. And uh -huh. I think that was one of the secrets why we settled in fairly quickly. Mm. What was the standard of football like? <clears throat> the standard was, I would say, more... If you put it to to today's football, I would say it was more championship football than Premier League football. Right, OK. Just that step down from the very high, you know, the high mm. uh, football that we have, you know, the yeah. quality of football. And um, how, how long were you out there in the end? Two years. Two years, OK. <laughs> and they, 
they didn't like heading the ball, Mike. <laughs> Which was wonderful for me because yeah. I was classed as an animal out there because yeah. I used to go for balls in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and I scored quite a few, some really special ones. I, I scored a third goal scorer in Switzerland the first year, level uh, top goal scorer in the second year. Yeah. Unbelievable time. Yes. It was just wonderful. It, well, I can't fun. tell you. If anybody's been to Geneva, you could, they could understand it. But yeah. it is a, a wonderful place to live. So were you kind of tempted to stay there? Because obviously you eventually came back and signed for Norwich City. Um, were you kind of looking to move back at the right uh, offer was made? Before I went to Switzerland, in that April, when we went on the world trip, I, I, the, the week before I went away, I took my full badge, coaching. Oh, uh, okay. And I passed with flying colours mm. at Lillishaw, mm. and I thought, I've got that under my belt. And while I was in Switzerland, I'm thinking to myself, they offered me a contract to stay on for another year or two years, whatever mm. it was. I thought to myself, I think I've got to get back to England before I'm forgotten. Right. Because you're, so, you're only in your, what, early 30s at this stage? You're relatively young. I would have been 30. I was born in 45, so that would have been, 40, I would have been 30, 31. Yes, exactly. 31, exactly. no, more than that. In 78, I would have been 33. Right, okay. So I was 33. Mm. And... I know that, uh, there were, that, that there was interest. I, I was in touch with Martin Peters. Martin yes, Peters he was acknowledged. That, yes. yeah, he, he thought that they would be interested in me if I would became available. And I thought I'd come back and then I'd spend time with Norwich and mm-hmm. I've got my ba- coaching badge and maybe I can develop that and stay in football. As a yeah. coach, not as a manager. Never mm. wanted to be a manager, but mm. as a coach. But it it didn't work out that way. And how but how Again, was it at Norwich? Norwich was wonderful. I was yeah. super fit at Norwich. I scored I scored four goals in the first seven games mm-hmm. that I played. And then I had the old man's injury, which is the dreaded oh. Achilles tendon. Right. And I tore it badly against Birmingham in a game at uh, at Norwich. Mm-hmm. And I, when you're 33. And you get an Achilles heel, you're laid up for quite a while. And they put me in a boot, all these different tests to see if it would cure naturally. But uh, John Bond was reluctant to let me have an operation on it. And eventually, in the February afterwards, I I was hanging around for ages, not playing. And I, I went to a PFA dinner in London. And I bumped into my old captain, Alan Mullery, mm-hmm. who happened to be the manager of Brighton. Mm-hmm. And he looked across the table and he said, Chiff, I've got to talk to you. I want you. <laughs> I said, it's no good, Skip. I said, I'm injured. Mm. I've got an Achilles heel. I can't, I've, I've torn my Achilles. Now you're, you'll be all right for me. I was, coming, I was obviously running a bit, but I mm. wasn't fully fit. I said I've got a, an ongoing injury. He said, "No, you'll be, you'll be, you'll do me a favour." Teddy Maybanks had a red yeah. card, right. and he's missing three games. And I need you desperately because we're going for promotion. Promotion. They were, they were, yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. And 
believe it or not, I played three. I got signed for him. He said, so you'll no, be, nu- no, so no, you'll no, be nuisance value, he said. No, Norwich were happy to let you go. How, how did that conversation go? Yeah, because no, yeah, Norwich they'd given up on me. Do me a favour. They they'd signed me on a year or two two year right. contract, but right. I was. They weren't prepared to have to do to take long term. They they wouldn't let me have the operation. They didn't suggest the operation. They thought it should be done through immobilising me in the boot or something like this and treatment, but it was never going to work. Yeah. So I went to Brighton with with that damaged Achilles. Mm. <laughs> played three games, scored one goal at Lake Noyum where we got a three three draw. And Alan Mullery, we got promotion that year. He kept me in the squad. Mm. And even though I wasn't fully fit, and at the last game we we won at uh, Newcastle three nil. And got they got promotion to the first division, mm. and Alan Mullery treated me like, oh, he said that goal at Orion. He always said it. That goal at Orion gave us promotion. Yeah, amazing. He was a wonderful manager, and he was a great captain. He was a yeah. very good, great captain. Yeah. And he kept me on, and eventually I, I, I went away to Dorchester Town to try my full badge mm-hmm. coaching. But it didn't work out because they wanted. You were managing. Were you managing them as well? You talk about not wanting to manage. weren't you managing Dorchester United for? No, I didn't actually. Well, you, you, it's not really managing in a way. It's coaching. I was yeah. a coach for them down there, a player coach, mm. and yeah. we were doing quite well. But then they, the one of the directors insisted that I had to go down there to sell advertising around the ground. <laughs> now. <laughs> I think I could do that now, but I was I wasn't used to that. I was I wasn't expected to do that. Yeah. So they were insisting I had to move down there. I said no, can't work out. I bumped into Stevie Perriman at New. Uh, believe it or not, at, at Arsenal, right. there was an official do over at Arsenal, and I bumped into Steve, Stevie, and he said to me, "Are you ever interested in moving abroad again?" I said, well, it depends what it is, Steve. He said, well, I know there's a club in Norway who are desperate to get someone like yourself. Mm. So I went over to Norway. Mm. I didn't know where I was going. I'd never, but if there's, if there's another country that people should visit, yes, they beautiful. should visit Norway. It is a yeah. fantastic country. Beautiful and the field. people are so yeah. friendly. And they all speak English. <laughs> and that was a, that was good. But yeah, didn't have to use any German over there. But yeah. it, but the, they would once you once you put a drink down them, they they never stop talking. Yeah, and they're very the reluctant to speak English in the first place. Yeah. And what was the standard like that? Because that was the sort of Norwegian second division. What kind of what standard do you think that that was like? Well, I, I played a few. I played a couple of games. Uh, early on, uh, we had an English. There was an English uh, coach there, or mm. manager, as you call them, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't succeed. He was struggling a bit. And after about three or four games, the chairman over there looked up to me and said, uh, "Would you be prepared to take over the football, the football team? Because we we yeah. we can't stay with the uh, with the coach that we've got." I said, yeah, of course I will. You know, if if you think I can do the job, that's fine. 
Mm-hmm. So I took over as player manager. Wow. And we just missed out on promotion the second year I was there. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with Norwegian players at that time, <laughs> if I told you one story, you'd realize how amateur it was compared to English football. There were no professionals. I was the yeah. only one. And I wasn't mm-hmm. meant to be professional. Mm. I was classed as an amateur. Mm. And I, I, went, I was with them. I was doing a team talk one day just before we were due to play a game. And the, uh, one of the coaches came up to me and, and said, uh, oh, the goalkeeper, is Irvin or something his name, well, I can't remember his name now, he said, uh, he's not playing today. I said, what do you mean he's not playing? He said, well, it's a lovely sunny day, and he thought he'd take his girlfriend out. <laughs> I thought, you're joking. What are you talking about? He said, I can't find them. I can't do anything. I can't argue. He said, he stayed, oh, no, he wants to take his girlfriend out into the country. It's, it's such a lovely sunny day. So we had to, I had to scramble to find another goalkeeper who was standing by, but I wasn't expecting that. But those were the sort of things you're dealing with when, you're, yeah. when I was dealing with Norway. When were you, because um, you also did a bit of a stint in Australia. When, when, when was your Australian? Oh, I went to Australia in 19, oh, I don't know what time that was. That was while I was with Dorchester, I think. Oh, okay. That was just for a couple of games with oh, Frankston. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a couple of guest games, because Martin Peters did it the year before. And I went yeah. out there and did a couple of games. It was it was just a, a, really a PR job that, that, that was mm. just letting them see what Martin Chippers looked like, I think. Mm. You then, obviously, famously, what, for, for many years, I remember it, ran a lovely hotel for many years. How, how, how did that come about after, after you know, coming wow. back from Norway, effectively? Well, I'm, I, I, in 1976, when I did leave to go to abroad, we had only just moved into this house in Brooklyn's right. Park. Right. And... One of my neighbours was mm. David Court from Arsenal, right. one of the play- ex-players. Mm. And he had a small fish stall or a, a, a vegetable stall down in the village. Mm. And we went down there one day after I'd finished uh, a season. And he mm. said to me, he said, you see that place over there? Me pointing at the hotel, Brookman's Park Hotel. He said, mm. that's a little gold mine. I said, what do you mean a gold mine? He said, it's just managed. It's a managed place. It, mm. it, could, it could be a little gold mine if somebody was to take it over. Mm. Well, I followed up what he was saying. Wow. And lo and behold, I finished up taking the whole place over, mm. a leasehold, yeah. with Whitbread Brewery. Mm. And we had it for 18 years. 18 years. We wow. revamped it. We yeah. gutted it. I put a, quite a bit of money into it. And we ran weddings and dinner dances mm. in the big banqueting hall at the back. Mm. It was very, very successful times. And it's, uh, I think it's a, my, my wife always said, I can't believe that you did that, Martin. You know, mm. you work so hard. She mm. works so hard as well. We, we yeah. ran it together. Yes, so she couldn't believe that an ex-footballer like myself mm. could knuckle down and mm. suddenly work for a living because football, football's yes. not working. 
Bob yeah. was doing something that you enjoy doing. Yes. <laughs> and suddenly I proved myself that I could do... I was chuffed that she gave me that, you know, that mm. tick. Mm. And said, well done. Why did you Why did you leave it in the air? Was there um, reason why you it needed stopped? another revamp after right. that time. The rate, the the business rates went up. Right. The brewery, the brewery put the rental up, mm. and my wife was on her knees, and she right. she did the kitchens and everything like that, and mm. used to do the breakfast for the hotel guests. Yeah. And I took over from her after a couple of years. She did the mm. toastmastering at the beginning, but mm. she said, "Come on, this has got to be a man's job." Mm. So I was doing toastmastering for weddings mm. and official official uh, mm-hmm. dinner dances, and that's where I I got the confidence to be able to talk to people, you know, stand up right. and talk to people. Yeah, well, that, and that's when you then obviously returned to Spurs as a match day host, and and that's this it. was the time when you you know became really really friendly with Bill Nicholson. Um, well, I've got to tell you how I how I got to see Bill. But if we yeah, go back to the, if we can just pop back to to Geneva, sure. when well, I was in Geneva the second year, Easter mm. on the second year, there was a big tournament in Carouge, uh, in just a suburb of Geneva, and Tottenham's youth team was out there oh, with Pat Welton. And I went down to see them play because that mm. was it was not far for me to just drive down there. <coughs> Excuse me. And lo and behold, who's who's there watching? Bill Nicholson. Mm. I bumped into him. No, there was never any, any problem with, with talking mm. to Bill. I said, "Hello, Bill. What are you doing over here?" He said, "I'm I'm I'm watching the boys, but at the same time, my daughter." married a Swiss fella, and she lives over here and was staying with my daughter. And he was over with his wife, Darkie. And I said, oh, really? I said, "Uh, it's it's a wonderful life out here, Bill. He said, it is wonderful. He went out there for a couple of years running to Mm -hmm. see his daughter. Yeah. And we finished on with a couple of little jokey stories. We talked about the past. And when I came back to my apartment to see my wife, I said, you can't believe who I've just bumped into. She said, who? She said, I said, Bill Nicholson. She said, no, what's he doing over here? And I explained the situation. She said, why didn't you invite him out for dinner? I said, you're joking, aren't you? <laughs> you, said, you don't think Bill would come out? Don't, don't, don't be silly. Uh, she said, it, my, this is the famous words that I always tell people. She said it would be the best thing you ever did. Wow. So I got on the phone. I, fa- I had his number. He gave me his mm. number. I phoned Bill up. I came off the phone. And I said, he's only accepted. Mm. So he's going to come out to dinner with his daughter and the husband yeah. and Darkie, his, Bill's wife, Darkie. And, we, and I took them to a wonderful restaurant on the lake of Geneva. Famous mm. for right. filet, filet de perche, right. which Bill would call fish and chips. Because <laughs> Bill loved fish and chips. Yeah. Yeah. And he also loved a glass of red wine. We right. had the most wonderful evening, yeah. chatting away, talking away, brought everybody mm. in the conversation. And at the, at, the, <laughs> at the end, we said our goodbyes. And then I used to see Bill 
back at Tottenham mm. when I when I wasn't playing through the winter months because Geneva there was snow on the ground in a lot of places. Right. I came back to Tottenham and I used to watch the games there. Mm. Yeah, and I'd, I'd see him and say hello, Bill, etc., etc. But his daughter, in fact, lives just round the corner from me now. Oh, Jean, really? Oh, okay. Yes, Jean Bell lives just round right. the corner. Right. She was the one that looked up. No, she, it was after that session. She told me the story. She said that mum, her mum, looked up to Bill and said, after that dinner that I took them out on the lake, she said, mm. "Is that the same Martin Chivers that you've been moaning about over <laughs> the last few years?" She said, "He's the perfect gentleman. What's wrong with you?" Oh, how lovely! Isn't that, isn't that how crazy? Lovely. Isn't that lovely? Absolutely crazy. And yeah. then I carried on seeing Bill at Tottenham. When I came back after the uh, the sessions in the ni- early 90s, I saw him on many occasions, and I was very happy to accept doing a hospitali- hospitality role at mm. Tottenham. Yes. Because they just, rede- they just built the new East Stand. Mm. They just re- redeveloped it and put all those boxes in. Yes. And that's where, in 1991, I started hosting. Right. Wow. So that's nearly 30 years ago. It's incredible, isn't it? We're talking about matches here 50 years ago. (laughs) Talking about first hosting 30 years ago. And thank God you're still associated with the club and still working for the club today. Absolutely. It's a a brand new stadium. It's a dream trip, isn't it? It's, It's a wonderful, you know, life. For it is. me. It is. Well, you think, think about because you moved there. You're a wonderful about, what, 20, relationship. What, you're, you're 22, you were 22 years old when you, you first joined Tottenham. And to have yeah. all that time now is, uh, you know, going off and, and doing other basic enough, Yeah, that's, how many, that's 53 years ago. Yeah, there we are. It's amazing, isn't it? It's lovely. It's wonderful. It really is, really is. Yeah. Martin, thank you so much. It's been so lovely hearing these stories um, about the time at Tottenham. And these stories, I know a lot of people listening won't have heard anything about your time at Norwich and Dorchester and, and all these things. It's been really lovely. And obviously, yeah. uh, in these times, I wish you and your family to stay safe and healthy. And when, please God, we start seeing football again. And I'm sure we'll have a, another chat then. Great. Thank you very, very much. And uh, all my very best wishes to all Tottenham fans out there and yourself, Mike. Thanks a lot, Martin. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. Lots of love. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye, Martin. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net.com/sportssocialpodcastnetwork. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.